All right, we'll be in Isaiah chapter 65. Isaiah 65. Before we go there, I'd like to share what I got on my devotions today. Um, I'm actually going through the book of Job. And um, I actually got to Job. Was it uh, Job chapter 21, verse 23 through 26 is what I wrote down. He said, uh, this is what Job said, 21, verse 23 through 26. He said, One dieth in his full strength, being wholly at ease and quiet. His breasts are full of milk, and his bones are moistened with marrow. And the other dieth in bitterness of soul, and never eateth with pleasure. They shall lie down alike in the dust, and the worm shall cover them. It sounds like Job's got like a, a serious problem. You know what I mean? <laughs> when you read this stuff, like it's always doomsday. I mean, death's the end of it. We're all going to, you know, we're all going to be eaten by worms. It doesn't matter if you're strong. It doesn't matter if you're weak. It just doesn't matter. And um, Job has this question that he wants to God to answer. He's like, why are you allowing this to happen to me? What have I done wrong? Oh, like Brother Gardner preached this morning or on Sunday morning. Oh, there are the mediators. Someone could just tell me what's going on. And um, as I was reading that, I was actually listening to another book, and I was listening to it. Not, yeah, it was actually another book. So I was reading my Bible, and I was listening to another book uh, later on this afternoon or this, this morning, and uh, he was talking about how mankind has often lost its wonder of God. And um, when you think about it, it's pretty, it's pretty evident when you think of a kid, right? You got a, a one-year-old, you got a three-year-old, and then like a, a six-year-old, and maybe a teenager, right? Like, how do you buy presents for a one-year-old? You ever think about that? Like, what's going to excite a, a one-year-old? Maybe, maybe, maybe a stick? You get them a stick, and they're happy, right? They're not going to remember it. You know what I mean? You give them anything. Those kids pick their boogers. You know what I mean? And so, like, those one-year-olds, it's so easy to, to, to please and so easy to make, wow. And then you think about a three-year-old, okay, I got I to I think a little bit more, maybe some wheels on the stick, okay? Maybe get some wheels so they can roll it around, maybe they can throw it a little easier, right? And then the six-year-old, man, it's a totally different d- dilemma, right? You've got to really put some thought into it, maybe to get some coloring books, you know, some crayons or something, I don't know. But then you get to the teenage stage, and I'm learning, I mean, they just up the game. I mean, you've got to do like a phone, an iPad, or something big. If you want to wow this kid, you've got to always up it up. Does that make sense? Isn't that the way with us, though? Isn't that the way with us? I mean, we lost the wonder of God. Job had these questions. He's like, God, I'm questioning you. Why are you letting this happen to me? Why are you letting this happen to me? Then God comes back and God answers Job in Job chapter 8, verse 34. And he says, okay, you want to answer questions? How about I give you some questions that you don't have the answer for either? Where were you when I laid the foundations? Where were you when I said to the river or the waters, hitherto, therefore, no more? Where were you? Can you answer that? And then Job, he responds to God. In Job chapter 42, verses 4, and he says, Here, I beg you, and I will speak. I will demand of thee, and declare thou unto me. I have heard thee by the hearing of ear, but now my eye seeth thee. God, you have revealed yourself to me. And this is what I think. I abhor myself. And I repent of myself. Doesn't the world get a knowledge of God, and they don't glorify him for it? Doesn't the world get a knowledge of the holy and they, 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 they're not thankful? Therefore, God gives them over. And we go through problems, right? We go through trials. We go through tribulations. And we're always asking, God, I want the answer for this. I want the answer for this. And God's like, I've already given you some wondrous stuff that you guys can think on. Why aren't you thinking on that? How unselfish we are. How unselfish we are. We're not content and not thankful for what God has given us. And we're not glad and we're not rejoicing. And it's almost like, God, if you just allow me to deliver those spirits out of those people, then I can really rejoice. And he says, you fools. 
Don't rejoice in that. Rejoice in that your name's written in the heaven, in the books of the book of the Lamb, and in heaven. Rejoice in your salvation. Isn't that what we should be happy in? In Isaiah, I think it's kind of like that. In Isaiah chapter 65, tonight I want you to think like a Jew. Because tonight we're going to get a glimpse, we're going to get a revealing of a great and magnificent and wonderful God. In, Je- in Isaiah chapter 65, Israel has seriously messed up. They have gone looking to other idols and worshiping false gods. Israel's works and their attitudes, according to the scriptures, were like smoke in the nostrils of God. They had left God that was seeking for them. They left a God that was seeking after them. They wouldn't listen to his calling. Therefore, they ignited God's anger towards them. And the truth is the same. Sin always leads to horrible consequences. That's what these people, these Jews, these Israelites, probably thought about whenever they were reading this book that was given to them by God, by, the, by Isaiah. They had just went through the captivity. The Assyrians had come down and they had taken over the northern kingdom. And now God talks about how Jerusalem's going to be taken over. And they're waiting for Babylon to lead them out of exile. And now they're just waiting. They're waiting for punishment. They're waiting for punishment. They know it's coming. They're actually, some of them might even be living through punishment. Maybe their family's already been taken. They messed up royally. And now they're probably living in dismay. Can I say it's easy when you're down to get even further down, isn't it? To begin to live in dismay. The cards are now stacked up against you. Young people, as your life goes on and you grow older, you can focus in on those things in the past and they can make you, I learned a new word today, salty. (laughs) For us old people, that means to be exceptionally bitter or agitated. This particular irritation typically stems from past events that you haven't gotten over yet. So you're salty. I wonder if these people in Isaiah chapter 65, as they get there, I wonder if they're salty. I wonder like, man, we messed up royally. And now we've got to pay the consequences for it. And now God's going to leave us. And he's going to forsake us. He's going to take his, his presence away. And they think of all this stuff, right? And it's easy when you live in trials to allow it to sink in and cause you more troubles and more trials, isn't it? It isn't easy to to, to live in that state of being. We've been through 64 chapters in Isaiah. We have seen the same things that can make Israel get salty. Or for you old people, maybe become melancholy. In Isaiah chapter 9, verses 13, this is what God said. He's already told them. He's already told them this. He said this, For the people turneth not unto him that smiteth them, neither do they seek the Lord of hosts. They're not coming after me. Therefore the Lord will cut off, cut off from Israel the head and tail, branch and rush, and one day, the ancient and the honorable, he is the head, and the prophet that teaches lies, he is the tail. For the leaders, for the leaders of this people cause them to err, and they let them to and they that are led of them are destroyed. Therefore, this is what the Lord says in verse 17 of Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 17. Therefore, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 17. Therefore, the Lord shall have no joy. God no longer has joy in their young men. Neither shall have mercy on the fatherless and the widows. Get this, why? Why, God? For everyone is a hypocrite and an evildoer. Every mouth speaketh folly, for all his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. Israel is looking bad. They have turned 
from God. They are not behaving well. So consequentially, the Lord is not joying over his people now because they are living in sin, because Israel's sin, and get this, their refusal to turn to the Lord. Isn't that what was said last night or last Sunday night? In Isaiah chapter 65, verses 2, he says this, I have spread out my hands all the day unto a rebellious people, which walketh in a way that's not good after their own thoughts. God's people, Israel, has been full of rebellion. They have followed their own opinions instead of God's word. Therefore, the joy of God is now gone. And because of their bad decisions, their bad decisions, it was all their fault. Last Sunday night, Pastor preached about how God was angry by their worshiping false gods. In Isaiah 65, verses 3, this is what God says. He says, a people that provoke me to anger continually to my face. They sacrifice in gardens and burneth incense upon the bricks, which remaineth among the graves and lodge in the monuments. They eat swine's flesh, and the broth or the fragments of abominable things is in their vessels. Even... In their wrongdoing, Israel now has this attitude like, I am more holier than thou. Even when they're doing this stuff and they have totally forsaken God, they're no longer worshiping him, they're no longer, they're no longer offering offerings and sacrifices to the Holy One. Look, look at their attitude in Isaiah 65, 5, which say, this is what they say, stand by yourself, stay away from me, get away from me. Come not near to me, for I am holier than thou. And God says, these are a smoke in my nose, a fire that burneth all day. They have turned on God. They forgot the place where God put his name, his presence, a place that God called his holy mountain. In Isaiah 65, 11, he says this, but, they are, but, but, but ye are they that forsake the Lord. Get that. You have forsaken me. You have forsaken me that forget my holy mountain the place where god said his name the place where god's presence was the place where they were supposed to worship they forgot his holy mountain these people are messed up and it's because of their sin that now god must punish those that do wrong do not let your mind or your heart think that just because god's gracious does not mean that, I, that he isn't a just and a judge at all does that make sense just because God is gracious does not mean he is not just and he is not a judge. He is just. He is the avenger. He is the judge of all the earth and he always does right. That's what the scripture says. So that's what he tells Israel he's going to do. In verse 6 of Isaiah 65, this is what he says. Behold, it is written before me, I will not keep silence, but I will recompense. Even recompense in their bosom. Your iniquities, Israel, and the iniquities of your fathers together, saith the Lord, which burneth incense upon the mountains and blasphemeth me upon the hills. Therefore I will, therefore will I measure their former works into their bosoms. So because of Israel's fault, they will be punished as a nation. Verse 12, he says this, Therefore will I number you to sword, and you shall bow down to the slaughter. Because when I called you, you didn't answer when I spake, you didn't hear, you didn't listen, but you did evil before mine eyes, and you did choose that wherein I delighted not. And God was going to use a couple nations to humble and bring Israel down. He was going to use Assyria in the north, and he was going to use Babylon to punish the southern kingdom. 
And God's punishment in the lives of Israel, get this, was going to bring major heartache. It's going to bring major heartache. Isn't that what sin does? Sin has its pleasure in the beginning. It has its pleasure for a season, but it only leaves pain, heartache, shame, embarrassment, and downright destruction in its wake. Verse 13 of Isaiah 65, this is what he says. Thus saith the Lord, my servants shall eat, but you guys will be hungry. Israel, you'll be hungry. Behold, my servants shall drink, but you'll be thirsty. Behold, my servants shall rejoice, but ye shall be ashamed. Instead of obeying God, they refused to listen to him, right? They chose the thing that didn't please God. And for that, they would become hungry, thirsty, and embarrassed. They are no longer a rejoicing people. Isn't that true for us? Isn't that true for us when we fall into sin, when we're living in this sin? David in Psalm 51, when he's living in sin, he says this. He says, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Psalms 51 verse 12. Sin robs you of your joy. It not only destroys your life, it not only brings shame, but it robs you of your joy. But can I say something? So do trials. What did Job do wrong? What did he do wrong? Why was he so sad? Why did he have so much sorrow? Trials and suffering, when destruction comes in our life, like that was Job, it wasn't caused by sin, but then despair came. In essence, Job was salty, right? The hope is gone. The hope is gone. In Isaiah 65, verse 14, talking about Israel, look what he says. Behold, my servant shall sing for joy of the heart, but you shall cry for sorrow of heart. And shall howl for vexation, for a broken spirit. They would cry and howl and their hurt from the punishment. Their spirits would be broken. The vexation means destruction, a breach, a hurting, a breaking, a bruise. An afflicted spirit is going to go on. Can you imagine being a Jew and reading this? Things that, you, that, you, that you're ashamed of, that you did, now is going to haunt you and going to bring heart, heart pain, the sorrow of your heart, and it's going to cause your spirit to be broken. God's punishment and judgment can remove joy from us. In Isaiah chapter 16, verses 10, or verses 10, this is what God says about Moab. And gladness is taken away, and joy out of your plentiful field. And thy vineyards there shall be no singing, neither shall there be shouting. The treaders shall tread out no wine in their presses. I have made their vintage shouting to cease. You know, when we sin in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, he talks about a guy that was in sin. Right? And he says, don't let his sorrow overwhelm him. Isn't that what happens? It robs us of our joy. It robs us of our rejoicing. It robs us of our singing. And we become salty, melancholy type people. And even when we face different trials. Paul says when he was in Philippians that his sorrow was going to, lest sorrow should have sorrow upon sorrow when his friend was about to die. Sometimes things happen in our life that just rob us. They rob us of our joy and our rejoicing. I think about these Jewish people as they're reading Isaiah 65, and I begin to feel horrible. There is not any longer any joy or rejoicing. And why? 
it was because of their wrongdoing. They broke the covenant. They were the untrustworthy ones. They were the unfaithful ones. They were wrong. They caused this. They brought the shame. But now, in Isaiah 65, God tells us something in verse 17. Get this. I love these words. For behold. Get this. For behold. Look. A new day is dawning. A new day is dawning. In light of all this sinful and hopelessness, the past will no longer be remembered. Look what God says in Isaiah 65, verses 16. That he who blesseth himself in this earth shall, be, shall bless himself in the God of truth, and he that sweareth in earth shall swear by the God of truth, because the former troubles are what? Forgotten. And because they are what? Hid from my eyes. Verse 17, for behold, look, I'm creating a new heavens. I'm creating a new earth. And the former shall not be remembered nor come into mind. Everything that caused you shame, I'm going to just eradicate it and not remember it anymore. I'm going to hide my eyes from it. I'm going to act like it never happened. I'm going to remember it not. This age that God speaks of is, is, is the last half of the book of Isaiah. And it was for the purpose of bringing hope to the people that messed up royally. And, and what God tells these people to do is look in verse 18. Verse 18, if you like to underline things, this is what God was commanding these people to do. Look at this, this first part of this verse. This is what he says, but be ye glad. Be glad and rejoice. And that's what this message is about today. Be glad and rejoice. That's the imperative. That's the verbs he's saying. Hey, be glad and rejoice. Why? How can I rejoice? I messed up royally. There's no way this is going to go good. We're going to be in captivity. He's going to lead us away. He's going to destroy Jerusalem. And it was all because of our sin. There's no more prayers. I mean, there's no more prayers. He's not going to hear us. He's turned his ear against us. We're, we're going to be obliterated. Pain and suffering is going to happen. But God says, hey, look, new heaven, a new earth. Now rejoice and be glad. For the future events are about to happen. That's what God's telling them here. They're living salty. They're living in melancholy. They're living defeated. But God says, hey, I got some new truth for you. You can be glad. I'm going to reveal you about a little bit about myself. That way you can be glad and you can rejoice. And what brings hope? What brings hope in our life? What brings joy and gladness? What does he say in those verses? What do we say? He's going to what? What is he going to do about their past? Not remember it anymore. He's going to hide his eyes for it. A forgetting of the past. In the life of Joseph, think about this. If anyone had a right to complain, it should have been Joseph, right? He was given a dream. He got a special treatment and favor because... But because of that, his brothers were, were moved to jealousy. They were going to kill him. They, they sold him into slavery. Uh, people falsely accused him. He lived in jail, wrongfully accused. But then God gave him a son. And this is what Joseph said as the meaning of the name of Manasseh in Genesis chapter 41, verses 51. Joseph, and get this, before Ephraim, which means God caused me to be fruitful in the land of adversity, before there was fruit, before there was fruit, get this, this is what, the, what God allowed happen. And Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh. For God said he hath, me, he, uh, hath made me forget all my, what? Toil and what? And my father's house. Not just my problems. I'm not worried about my family anymore. God's caused me to, to forget that. Now I can be fruitful where I'm at. 
Can I tell you? Before there's joy, before there's rejoicing, you've got to forget all that stuff in the past. That's what God's saying right here. I'm going to create a new heaven. I'm going to create a new earth. Talking about the millennial. And I won't remember that. I will choose to forget that. So you can be glad. You can be rejoicing right now. That's what's going to happen. That's what's going to come true in this future age known as the thousand year reign. God's going to forget and remember no more the past. Their troubles. That's wonderful. All is forgotten. And this is just a side note. But do you know why people can't live in joy and rejoicing? Because they can't leave the past. They can't leave the past. They live in it. They long. They long for it. Or, 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 or they're so ashamed of it, they become paralyzed to it. But in this future time, this future time, God says, hey, I'm going to choose not to remember your past. And not just that, there's going to be joy. And look what else he says. Not just forgetting the past. We can, we, we can have amnesia, right, and forget about stuff. But then we realize, oh, junk, I'm in the same situation. I'm in the same, I'm in the same environment. But look what God says he's going to do. Look what he says in verse 17 and 18. For behold, I, what, create, what, a new heavens and a new earth. Verse 18, but be ye glad and rejoice forever in that which, what, I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem a rejoicing and a people and her people a joy. The old world is going to be changed during this time period. It's not going to be like it is now. Look at what it says in verse 20 of Isaiah chapter 65. There shall no more thence any infants of days, nor any old man that hath, filled, that hath not filled his days. For the children shall die, not a hundred years old, but the sinner, of, uh, sinner being a hundred years old shall be accursed. Life will, long, will no longer be the same. Death won't be as frequent as the time period is right now. Notice the crowd that God is speaking to. These are the people that were going to face captivity. These are the people that are going to be facing death. And God's saying, in the future, we're not going to have to worry about that. We're going to have long lives. We're going to have long lives. I'm creating something new. Destruction of a people that will head, head, head to tail will happen. But in the future, a baby will die when it's 100 years old. Lifespan is going to be like nothing it is right now. So what do we do with that truth? Be glad. Rejoice in it. Just like their homes and their cities were going to be taken over by, by, incoming, uh, uh, by incoming armies. Their fields and their, their vineyards that they planted were now going to be fruits for somebody else. Look what's going to happen in the new age. Isaiah chapter 65 verses 21 through 22. And they shall build houses and they're going to live in them. And they shall plant vineyards and you will eat the fruit of them. And they shall not build and another inhabit. And they shall not plant, and somebody else is going to eat your food. For as the days of the trees are the people, uh, as the days of the trees are the, uh, as the days of a tree are the days of my people, and mine elect shall shall long enjoy the work of their hands. In the future, they don't have to worry about people taking over their lands. They don't have to worry about people taking over your farms. They don't have to worry in fear. They don't have to live. Why? Because God is making something new for Israel. Don't you realize that? He's making something new for his elect is what he said. They can finally live in peace. No more worries about being rocketed by Palestine. No more worries about other nations oppressing them and stealing from them and burning their fields. They will have safety. They will have peace. The curse of that land is going to be gone. Verse 23, they shall not labor in vain, nor bringeth forth in trouble. Remember in Genesis chapter 3 when sin was entered in the world? What did God curse? He cursed the land. He cursed the ground, verse 17. 
Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow thou shalt eat it all the days of thy life. Thorns and thistles shall bring forth thee, and the sweat of your face shall eat bread. But look what he says in Isaiah 65, 23. They shall not labor in vain. Curse is gone. New heavens, new earth. You don't have anything to worry about. I'm going to take care of it all. I'm not remembering sin. I'm not remembering your junk. I'm making things new. Rejoice. Be glad is what he's saying right here. Why is this going to happen? Why is this going to happen? How can it happen? He's creating a new. He's creating a new. The animals are going to act differently. Verse 25, the wolf and the lamb shall feed together. And the lion shall eat straw like a bullock. And the dust of the serpent's meat. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, saith the Lord. Animals are going to be acting differently. When we got off the ark, not we, some of us maybe in here. When we got off the ark, right? Fear. That's the first mention of fear in the Bible and the scripture. Fear of you was upon every beast. And dread of you was upon every beast. Because of the curse. Because of sin. It came in. But God says, I'm making everything new. Can you rejoice? Can you be glad? Can we smile a little bit? Your animals are going to be acting differently. Not only during the millennia is there going to be no more remembering of sin and a place that's going to be new. But look at this. God's relationship with his elect. Look what he says in verse 24. And it shall come to pass that before they call, I'm going to answer. And while they're yet speaking, I will hear. What, what is God? What is God? What, what God? A, a, the sin that caused death and, and God not to hear. I don't know what's going on with my phone, but anyways, this is the devil. But anyways, it causes God not to hear. Isaiah 59 verses 2. But your iniquities have separated between you and God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. But now in this day and age, God is choosing to remember sin no more. And look at it. The relationship that he's having with his people, it shall come to pass. When they call, he's already answering. I mean, before they get the question out, he's already answered it. And while they're listening and talking to him and pouring out their troubles, he's like, no, they don't have any troubles. The tears are gone. They're not crying. While he's talking, he's here and he's listening to them. What in the world? What's going on here? What's going on here? A new place. Sin's no longer remembered. And get this. I want to give you a huge thing that should cause joy and gladness. Verse 19. Notice this. And I will rejoice in Jerusalem. And joy in my people. And the voice of weeping shall be no more in her, nor the voice of crying. All that weeping is gone there in Jerusalem. You're not going to cry anymore. But can I ask you, according to this passage, Brother Sam, if you could help me out. Who is rejoicing? Where is he rejoicing at? Didn't he leave that place? As you're a Jew sitting down there, and you look at that temple mount, and you think God's presence leaving that place, that presence that, that caused national pride. You have no clue. Man, God coming down, and they can't even go in that temple. And, and, and nations fleeing are coming to you just to see what, what God's doing in this nation, causing him blessings. And then all of a sudden, because of your wrongdoing, God says, that's it. I put my name there. I was going to put myself, I was going to dwell there. But now it's done. I'm gone. And then now a Jew's feeling that, and he's like, man, it's because of my sin. 
It's because of my wrongdoing. Oh, what are you doing? Why is this happening to me? And you begin to get salty, and you begin to get melancholy, and then God says, hey, rejoice. Be glad. How can I, God? You left us. Rejoice. I'll be back in Jerusalem. I'm coming back. My presence will be there. My presence will be there. And we all know, we all know, in the presence of God, there is what? Fullness of what? Of joy. How can we be salty when living in the presence of God? How can we be melancholy when we live in the presence of God? Let me ask you a question. This is all about future events. As Isaiah finishes the book, he tells the people, be glad, rejoice. Why? Your sins will no more be remembered. Believer, has that happened to you? Serious question. Has that happened to you? John, 1 John 3, 5, you know that he was manifested to take away our sins. Can I tell what happened to you when you got saved? He's like, all your junk, taking that away. I'm covering that with the blood. We're not going to remember that anymore. I'm not going to remember your iniquities. God is going to create a new heaven and a new earth, and things will radically change, right? In the millennial, right? They're going to radically change. This is future events. It's literally going to happen. Believer, has there been a change in your life? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, he says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You know what happened when you got saved? <laughs> we became new. Those same wants and desires, are they gone? He's creating in me something like Jesus. You got something to be glad about? You got something to be rejoicing about? Believer, believer, as we read Isaiah, he says, guys, God's promise is back. He's coming back to Jerusalem. He's going to joy back in the city. He's going to rejoice over his people. Believer, do you have a promise of God's presence with you? Colossians 1.27, to whom God would make known the riches of his glory, this mystery among the Gentiles, us, which is Christ in you, the hope of all glory. My question is this, do you have anything to joy about? Do you have anything to rejoice about? Have you lost the wonder? You waiting for something bigger? <laughs> you waiting for something bigger? Let's not be like those unbelievers and not glorify God. Let's not be like those unbelievers and not be thankful. Let's realize, let's, let's, let's acknowledge the wonders he has done for us. And let us glorify him and let us thank him and let us praise him with our mouths and our lips.